Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, as always, joined by Joel L. Conan and Dennis Dick. Uh, market is down today because China is down. China is down because of fears of a virus spreading. We'll talk about that and whether or not this morning represents a good opportunity to buy Chinese stocks that have rallied of late or just sell them all this morning. Uh, other news on our radar, Boeing is seeking $10 billion. We'll talk about Boeing and uh whether today is the day it falls through its support of $300, a number of ratings to discuss. Plus, we'll preview the biggest earnings reports from the week. Netflix today, that, that's perhaps the biggest one. Uh, we're going to get Intel later in the week, American Express, Discover, Synchrony. So uh, the first real big week of earnings, banks notwithstanding. Uh, you can always give us a call, leave us a voicemail, ask a question. You can do that by dialing the number. Uh, 734-494-0246. Joel, what is the word here in the pre-market session? Well, I had to reboot my computer three times to confirm that we are in the red by 10 and a quarter handles. Uh, your high was made Sunday night right off the bat at 28.50. That high on Friday, 30 and a quarter. We'll keep an eye on that all-time closing high from Friday. 25 even. We'll see if we have the old Friday high, high for the week, all-time high uh, being a major number going forward. Pre-market low. They got this down to 07 and a quarter. Not much there. Your weekly pivot at 07 even. And now trying to get back mid-range. I'll be keeping an eye on now. 33.18 this morning. Uh, crude back under $58, down 73 cents at 57.85. Gold in the red by 290 at 1557.40. Silver right at 18, down 17.3 cents. And the Bitcoin bulls, they couldn't, they couldn't induce that rally over the three-day weekend, trading down $225. These are the futures at 8700. Triple D, how was your weekend? And I hope you worked yesterday because it was not a holiday. Uh-huh. It's been one of those weekends. The boys had a fever for four days, so we're fighting, fighting the four five-year-old sicknesses here. So kind of uh, been in seclusion. Seclusion, huh? Yeah. So obviously, you know, the market sounds like it's fighting sicknesses too over there in China. So maybe this is a good segue into uh, what's happened here over the weekend because we are looking at emerging markets getting hit really hard here, and anything to do with China really, uh, obviously, ground zero. What's the deal with this virus? Right. So there's been this virus. It is part of the coronavirus family. 
that has spread uh, from China to other areas of Asia, Japan, South Korea, uh, 291 confirmed cases of the virus, six deaths uh, as of the most recent reporting from uh, Chinese health officials. Biggest concern, uh, two biggest concerns about this. One is uh, China has confirmed that this uh, virus can spread person to person. And two, the timing of this could not be worse. The Lunar New Year, the Chinese New Year is Saturday. This is a huge travel week for everyone in, uh, in China. And so there are concerns now that people are going to be spreading this virus, uh, take it with them, and wherever they go, they, wherever they travel, just take the virus with them and spread it. So uh, that's why you're seeing uh, tourism stocks, airline stocks all down this morning in addition to weakness in China. Just go to FXI. I mean, this is down 4.5%. This is a big move down here. Uh, if you really look and you think about this, this is an incredible move down this morning because we have been slowly marching in China stocks and trying to make new highs. And over the course of the last month, we went from 41 to 45. Now in one day, we're going to get back half of those uh, half of those gains. So the question is, is this the buying opportunity for China? Because China was looking actually pretty good from a technical basis before you know this occurrence over the weekend. I guess it depends on how bad this virus gets. Because if you think how SARS went, and what year was SARS, Spencer? Do we remember? Yeah, it was 2003, I believe. No, 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 no. SARS was a lot more recent than that. Yeah. Like like four years ago. Yeah. Four or five years ago. I don't think so. Yeah, for sure. Because I wasn't even trading headlines back then. I was trading on these headlines. So 2003 is 17 years ago. I was just a young buck. So I think I, I think SARS was, uh, let's just see the mm-hmm. SARS epidemic. Let's I, see I, don't think, I, I don't think so, Dennis. Really? What are you finding? Well, eye? what was the one? Okay, well, stop. Ebola. You're thinking of the Ebola. Ebola. I'm thinking Ebola. of Ebola. <laughs> uh, sorry. I was thinking of Ebola. Don't question me. Okay, Spencer. You did your homework. I'm sorry. I was thinking of Ebola. SARS. The SARS one was 2003. Gotcha. So Okay, well, I can't remember going back 17 years ago to how the markets reacted. How did the markets react? Do we have a history of that? When SARS happened? I remember it being bad. Well, well 8,000 people uh, got this got stars and I think 800 of them of them uh, uh, died. So um, I don't I can tell you how the market reacted. That's the last time I can remember it being bad. I remember concerned about the markets really getting hit significantly. You know, and obviously I was still upright trading, but when you're going back 17 years, you're going from your memory. I I didn't do my homework. Maybe I should have looked that up. How much the markets were down? I I don't know. I I'm, my my bad thinking about the Ebola thing um, got that confused. So it is 8 o'clock in the morning and lack of sleep. But SARS, uh, so 2003, they're saying, the chat's all over it too. So they are saying you are correct, Spencer. Do we know what the markets did back then, Joel? Can you kind of take a look? You know, can we kind of see it in the charts? Uh, but, 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 well, we were, at, uh, we were at the bright office at that time. So let's Can see. we bring up a chart from that far back here? Uh, yeah, we can. Let's, uh, let's I, look. I, I don't know if... What month? Well, I think it went on for a while. Yeah, it was it was from November. Yeah, it did. It, it was from November of '02 to like summer of '03. So it, it like did six go seven on. months. It, it go on, on for a while. And the markets were depressed on it for a while. Yeah. Also, that was in that was in the midst of uh, a. I think weren't we still correcting from the dot com bubble at that time? Oh, there was so much. Yeah. Okay. Well, we were we were starting to come out of it. So obviously, the dot com crash was two thousand end of two thousand one, early two thousand two. 
uh, where, you know, the NASDAQ fell 81%. I mean, you think about these corrections that people talk about today, and you think about an index falling 81% from 5,000 NASDAQ to 1,100. So that was a correction, or, or not even a correction. That was like, you know, that's a solid bear market when you're losing 81% of your wealth if you're in an index. But, you know, we st we're starting to come out of there, and then the SARS spooked it back down for a bit. So you can't really see it too much on the charts because, like we said, the 2000 to 2002 fall is so significant that even if there is, you know, a, a, you know, a 10, 15% fall in there, it's not even really noticeable on that chart for the simple reason because the markets were down 80%. I mean, you're looking at the S&P, but if you look at the NASDAQ, you'll see it even more significantly right. there. But you can see a little bit of red there at the beginning. So I'd imagine the markets got hit pretty good on it. So the question is, you know, we're down 2%. Is this going to blow up into a bigger deal here or not? If it's not, it's probably a buying opportunity. If all of a sudden this starts to spread and, you know, there's concerns. Um, and you were saying concerns about, you know, uh, people traveling as well, Spencer, um, and, and spreading this outside of, uh, of right, Asia. Right. That's the, it, it already has spread, and that's the concern is it'll spread more because the, the, ho the holiday is this, is this week, right? And so it just could not be worse timing. The fact that they have confirmed it can spread from human to human uh, and the fact that millions of people travel this time of year in China, uh, that, that's why they're concerned. Okay. So. Uh, also, during that, uh, you also had a little geopolitical event going on in 01 and 02, right? With, uh, you know, you had the dot-com and then you had 9-11. So there were, there were other factors going on. I mean, this is just the kind of thing where, you know, you just got to monitor. I mean, uh, how many deaths have there been so far? Only six. It's okay. So I don't want to say only six because if right. you knew any of those right. six people. Right. Um, but it's like, you know, if it jumps to 40 deaths and, right. you know, it, it multiplies. I mean, very, 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 very yep. difficult. Headline risk on this. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't think anyone's running out buying hazmat suits yet. Uh, but you know, it, it could have an effect. I'm looking at the F FXI. The move is already priced in there overnight, yeah, you know, yeah. two days. Uh, we traded down to the $43 area, um, in the FXI and it's just real, real quiet here. So you talked about the move from 41 to 45. It was actually, I'm looking at that December low, just under 41, but 45 is called four points, you know, 42 and a half, 43. If, uh, if the market's going to just look at this as a pass over this event, then we should find support uh, in this area over the next one to two days and uh, remount a rally here. I mean, you've China's about, got about as much good news as it can with the, uh, you know, with the signing of uh, phase one. So we'll see if uh, it rebounds, but really I mean, hard. Very when high. you look at the FXI, one consideration, if you just go out to the weeklies, is we struggled at 46. And we were just trying to get up there. So really, we're still range bound. You know, from October, go back one full year. 38 to 46 has been the range. We went back down to 38 in the summertime. And we've slowly been climbing our way back up to the 46 area again. So now you give some back, and it looks like it's failing up a resistance again. So now you're kind of coming in the middle here. So it becomes a tough call even technically. But when you have headlines like this, technicals take a back seat. You know, if they come out and obviously the epidemic or, you know, this, this virus is spreading, this, you know, the stocks are going to get hit no matter what the technicals say. So technicals work really well. You know, we always say to predict moves in the absence of news. Once there's headline news happening, technicals take a back seat. And that's, you know, and, and obviously, you know, we can look to the next technical levels to where we might think we're going. But that direction is dictated by you know, what was happening with this, all of a sudden, this uh, sickness. So that's the consideration here. If you're trading anything in China, the stocks are down significantly because of this virus.
And uh, Spinner makes a good call here because I mentioned the hazmat suits. He mentioned Lakeland Industries. Uh, they're the one maker of hazmat suits. Uh, that stock, it's been quiet for a long time. I it's wonder, not going to be quiet today. What was the... Uh, uh, and it's a great call because this is not traded here yet, but I can tell you it is bid up a dollar here right now in the pre-market. This is going to be higher here today. L-A-K-E is bid at 12.10 right now. Went off the board 11.03. So you're talking about a stock that's bid up 10% here right now. So there's already people who are anticipating that this is actually going to be the way to play this. Um, and these things can go like crazy sometimes too. So keep an eye on this. Very, very thin stock. So obviously, you know, best offers way up at 13 and a quarter. So we don't know, you know, exactly how it's going to trade, but I can tell you it's very thin. Like how many, how much volume did this do on Friday? Uh, let's go to the dailies here. It actually sold off a little bit on Thursday and Friday, obviously ahead of these news. Uh, oh, not much. Uh, looking at the daily charts for the volume on this. It's oh, light, real nothing. light. Nothing at all. That can't be right. It is. I'm looking at the trades. I can almost see all the trades from Friday. This does not trade much. Oh, boy. So this is super thin. So these can get crazy. And just remember, the spreads on this are going to be really wide there, too, even during the day. When something like this happens, you can see like a 3 4%, 5% spread on this, especially off the hop. So be careful if you're trading this because getting in and out of it, you might be paying a big spread to get in and out of this thing. It's not going to be easy, that easy to get in and out of. But it's going to move here today, at least in the pre-market, has already bid up significantly here. So 12.10 bid. Um, only a hundred shares bid. Best offers up at thirteen a quarter. That's the best we can tell you. Is it's looking up at least ten percent. There was a. It wasn't Lakeland Industries, and maybe someone can. There was another name for that company. I remember. I can't. I'm trying to think. I remember when this. I thought that. I remember Lake. Was, I, I remember Lakeland, but there was someone. There was another one. It just went absolutely crazy. I can't remember what it is, but. Anyways, I mean, that, that could be a good indicator. Spinner's giving us, Spinner's all over this trade. He must have been up doing his homework here this morning because he's given us a couple other ones too. NBA I do not follow either of these companies, but he's got a no, no, Novavax, which I don't know anything about this company. That might have been it. I mean, NVAX, and he's also got INO. He's saying both of these stocks could be moving on this as well. Novavax is up 374. It's up 64%. I'm not sure what this company does. Spinner, if you can lighten us here, we can go look it up. I feel like a few, of these, a few of these names are also uh, mentioned in the Ebola uh, thing. A few yeah. Ago. Oh, yeah. So, well, that's what people – well, I thought it. So the markets, you know, might think it too. I thought of Ebola right away, and I guess this is different than Ebola. Um, you know, they're comparing it more to SARS on my Twitter stream, but well, that's what I thought right away was they're Ebola. They're doing that because SARS was also a Chinese virus, and this – or right. a virus from China, and this virus was first – uh, spotted uh, in China, so that's why they're doing the SARS thing. But um, well, let's just hope. Let's hope it doesn't spread. You know, let's hope it's contained yeah. and they have a, a good lunar New Year. So the question now is, if you look at some all these Chinese names that are weak this morning, mm -hmm. uh, and and look at the names that have been strong of late, right? Uh, Alibaba, JD.com, even our old friend Billy Billy, right? B I L I. Yeah. Is, is this morning a a buying opportunity? In, that's in, all depends on how quickly and you know how well they contain this virus if they get it contained very quickly I, yes the answer is yes if they get it contained if they don't get it contained you're going to regret being the first guy in this so or girl in this so i that can't that can't be answered that question definitively at all so if you're underweight china maybe it's an opportunity to get a little bit more overweight china but again it's scary to just jump in at the beginning of this because we know even with ebola so let's 
I can remember the Ebola and trading it. And the markets were down more than 10%, I believe, on Ebola. Were they not? What yeah. year was Ebola? Yeah. 14. 14, 15, I think. I, I yeah. Think. And the, I remember the markets having a significant pullback with Ebola. It was scary for a bit, like at least for the markets, from the market's perspective. So I don't remember the SARS as well. Like I said, I was 2003. I was like doing you know, great trading. I was trading a lot, but 17 years ago to remember how you were trading back then, it's difficult. But I remember the Ebola. And... Um, and I do remember that L-A-K-E from Ebola as well. So it isn't the same. They're comparing it more to SARS. But again, it's a virus, and the markets were nervous about that as well. So there was a significant pullback there too. We are just really hearing about this. I mean, this is the first I've heard about it. Maybe this was out there Thursday or Friday. But this is the first that the market's been worried about this. Because you know, you're seeing the markets trade down here today because of this virus. This is the day one. So we need more information. I would say before just jumping in, you know, and saying, okay, every dip we buy, we buy this dip too. I think we need more information. That's just my opinion. It's still a good time to note. I was looking at a few of these names. Like we haven't talked about IQ for a while or HUYA or Billy Billy, or these are names that ran, uh, was it, I think it was two summers ago. that, that, that really They've been ran. running too, some of these. Like IQ has yeah. really run here in the last four four or five months. I mean it was sixteen dollars back in October twenty fourth. So it's had a fifty you know thirty thirty three thirty four percent move here. No, it's a fifty percent move. Fifty percent move since October. So some of these have run. I mean China had been performing okay. So there's definitely people probably who are going to be coming in and buying the dip this morning. The question is are they early? Do we get another headline? That's so it's difficult. It's a difficult market to trade when you have headline risk. And the direct headline risk is with these Chinese stocks right now. What about the non-Chinese names that are down this morning? I'm talking specifically the casino stocks. Win, yeah, uh, down six percent. LVS down six percent. Yeah, um, a, few, a few others as well. And think about okay, so you go Win and LVS, obviously Macau. You think about and then MGM, which has less exposure, and Macau is not down nearly as much. So this is a big pullback for Win. WYNN had been running and moved up. 120 to 151 in the last month and a half. Now it's back down at 142. It's nice support, 138 to 140. Again, if people stop traveling, though, or they're worried about traveling, you know, you think about the airline stocks, too. If you look at them this morning, they're all down significantly as well. American Airlines is down 2.2%. We go over to Delta, it's down 2.2% as well. So you're seeing it happen there uh, as well. You're not just seeing it in the casino stocks. It's the travel stocks that are getting hit, too, because everybody's jumping over to go to Macau here right now. Quick technical note on Delta here, a nice gap and go after earnings. And now you're here back under the low of the day uh, when you had the good earnings. So if you're looking for a gap fill in this one, you don't have super far to go. Uh, you need to get into the 59 handle, 59.70. That's a buck away. That fills the gap. So, um, and the reason I'm mentioning that is because you had the, uh, you know, you had the Costco, you know, they gave that great number, right? And uh, the stock rallied, not a lot. They hit it back down, and then someone had some good uh, sales. I can't remember who it was. Or, or, well, it was, no, it was Target. Target had bads. So that was uh, good. And then Costco. they hit Costco down. It was a buying opportunity. And they gave it back to you. That's the only reason I mentioned that. But uh, we got some big news here. Um, and that, I don't know I want to call it airlines, but aerospace here. This is, this is not the news that Boeing shareholders want to hear. Oh you, oh, you don't want to hear that you're trying to raise $10 billion in loans? That's not good news? Okay. Well, if, that, if that's the case, yeah. Then Boeing is seeking to borrow $10 billion. Uh, we know this is another in the continuing 
series of headlines related to their 737 MAX crisis. What was the news where it came out and I it was like a week or two ago and I'm like, oh, they need money. And I thought I talked about them uh, possibly cutting the dividend and you guys talked me out of that. But what I mean, there's so much news on this stock, but there was something within a last week and a half. Well, everybody's been talking about the possibility of the dividend. So I definitely didn't talk you out of that because we've been talking about that for a while. Cutting the dividend now. We, we've been talking about that. We've okay. t- Kramer's been talking about that, you know, possibility as well. This isn't just something that, okay. you know, it's just being thought up. This has been something that has been a concern. So um, you have a legitimate point with the dividend here. When they're coming out and raising cash, they're doing that because they don't want to cut the dividend. I mean, the first thing you do, they could temporarily cut the dividend, but they don't want the stock to get slammed on that. So they're going out and they're obviously using their power to raise cash. I mean, you look at the Boeing situation and it is, you know, hopefully a temporary problem. So eventually you got to think that they're going to get the max back in the air. But how long this goes on, they are burning cash right now significantly while this goes on. So this is just bridge financing to get us through this problem. They're trying to raise more cash. They don't have to cut the dividend to disturb shareholders. And, you know, hopefully, you know, they're going to get this solved and then they'll be back to cash flow positive. But the longer this goes on, the more the possibility that they might actually have to temporarily slash the dividend. I do believe this is a temporary problem. I do believe eventually the max is going to get back in the air. And I do believe eventually Boeing's going to get back to profitability. So eventually, I believe there's going to be a buying opportunity here. With that being said, now that they're going out raising cash, and, you know, we hung out, you know, I was saying I thought this was a buy at 328 to 330. It hung out there for a week and a half. Yep. And now it's broken down from there. So now you got to say, okay, well, you know, maybe you take your lumps and it's just too much headline risk here, especially with the market. I mean, we still have a key support level, which is 320, but you are going to challenge that today. And I suspect you're going to take it out um, because there's probably some nervous investors saying, man, now they're raising cash. I don't see this thing getting fixed anytime soon. You know, I don't want to ha- think about the possibility of them cutting the dividend and the thing falling 20 points when they do that or more. So um, it's a scare. It's a now another headline issue. Again, it was always a headline stock, but now it's even more scary about that potential dividend uh, cut because they're raising cash to try to protect the dividend and, and, fin- uh, and finance, obviously, you know, the fixing of the max. And the reason we're, we're talking about the dividend so much is there are, you know, dividend funds. There's a lot of, lot of major funds, a lot of major players in this stock based on the dividend that it pays out. So for sure. This ten billion dollar loan, well, that doesn't affect the you know the dividend guys, right? But if you come in and you I you know cut the dividend or God forbid eliminate the dividend, I mean that's just an automatic like hit the sell button, like we're done. It's out of our mind. Some, it's, some, well, some, yes, yeah, some. Um, and there's a lot of money in those dividend income funds, so this is just kind of a little bit of a band aid, you know, just kind of like trying to tear off the band aid before you rip it off. So. I don't know. Well, they can raise the money. So this is the first step. And, you know, this is going to buy them some time. If they raise 10 billion, it's going to buy them some time. Right. Eventually at a certain point, if they, you know, this takes a lot longer than they think, eventually you got to look at something like the dividend. The the dividend cut is not imminent. Not if they're raising cash. And it sounds like they already have 6 billion of it. So could there be some dilution in this raise though? Like, do we have details? Like I, I heard over the weekend, they're looking to raise 10 billion. And they already had six secure. Do we have any details on that, Spencer? On is it going to be a convertible issue? Because then there you got dilution you're looking at, and that obviously knocks the price down as well. Or is it going to be a straight up, you know, just you know, yield play? Do we know? 
I haven't seen any details about as far as yeah. I don't think we I don't think those details have come out. But I would imagine maybe there's going to be a convertible. You know, you got to think. I, I think the market would probably be possibly spooked about a convertible issue here. You know, where somebody you know where they issue that now it's convertible. Now you're talking about dilution. You know, here they were. They've been doing buybacks like crazy for you know the last couple of years. If we look, you know, how how many buybacks? When did Boeing do its last? I mean, they've been doing them. So they've been buying the stock up at three forty, three fifty, three eighty, four hundred dollars, and now you have the possibility they might have to, you know, sell stock, you know, in, in essence, you know, like and that's what you know a convertible yeah. issue does if it's a convertible, and you know, so obviously <laughs> you're you're buying your own stock high and selling it low if that's the case. So this max thing has just went on for too long for them. That's the major problem. But three twenty is the support, and support is support until it's broken. And, you know, the, and also just from a, you know, throwing out all the, you know, fundamentals, which we don't have any control, technical basis, you know, you could do the old 320, 317, jam everybody short, you know, and then take it above it. So to me today, I'm not going to say so much, you know, I think it's going to breach 320 today. I mean, you can't, you know, nothing's for sure. Let's see where it closes. You know, if they jam it, close it back above there. I mean, because this stock, I mean, it has weathered a lot of storms here. This is uh, this is definitely um, a little bit of different circumstance. But uh, right now, trading down to buck ninety five at three twenty, three twenty two twenty. Uh, probably some uh, probably some sell stops in there. People protecting that. But as of right now, someone is defending that stock at 321. You can't dispute that. That's the pre-market low. And for as long as this news has been out, that's the low, 321.06. So we'll keep an eye on that um, in Boeing Airlines. So we've talked the China stuff. We've talked Boeing. We might as well talk Tesla because it's not a show if we don't talk Tesla. I mean, the stock is so resilient. The bad news from the California headline two days ago or two trading days ago, coupled with a downgrade from Morgan Stanley, got completely shrugged off and it got completely, the dip got completely bought. Again, the stock almost closed positive that day, held up fairly well here. And now you have another analyst coming to defend the stock, putting a huge price target on it. And the stock is trading up 13 points on a day that the market is getting hit hard. This stock is unbelievable. Have you heard of New Street Research? Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I'm not all that. I, sure. Yeah. I've, and, and, and they can move stocks as well. I mean, everybody's well, looking at it. price target. What's the price target they're putting here? 800. I mean, that gets headlines, right? So, yeah. you know, and that's the one thing too. I mean, you know, you get, you know, crazy, you know, price targets. And maybe it's not crazy anymore, 800. But, you know, this is probably a street high. Is anybody this high, Spencer? I don't think so. Well, anybody at 800 bucks on Tesla? That That's a complicated question. Are, are we talking about the analysts' bull cases or their base cases? Oh, yeah, there's a bull case. You're, talking about, case. The, yeah. <laughs> You're not talking about the Adam Jonas model, um, are you? It, it is not a street high. I believe um, somebody is in the four figures, uh, at least one four person. Four figures? Really? At least one person, I think, is in the four figures. So. Another analyst bull train, and this just drives. So when they downgrade it, the stock barely goes down. And when they upgrade it, it just rips. I mean, you can just see whether the path of least resistance continues to be on this. We've been talking about how Beyond Meat and, uh, and Tesla have been connected for the last couple of weeks because these were both short squeeze plays. Um, they're going to get disconnected here eventually, though. The Beyond Meat is a very interesting setup. The last three days, just, you know, we're going to come back to Tesla. But I just want to say you've been consolidation station here for Beyond Meat. 
and it's trading up here a little bit too for whatever reason these two stocks like i said are just connected so if you get above 115.24 maybe you start squeezing them again and beyond meat if you fall below the 106.11 i'm looking at the highs from january the 15th because they've had two inside days since then so that's going to be your levels there so below 106 it looks like the shorts are going to be winning but above 115, it looks like the longs are going to be winning. So that's how I'd be playing beyond meat is maybe going with the winner there. You're in the middle here. So, you know, there's no, no pitch to hit here. But Tesla trading up another 13 points here. I mean, this is just getting, you know, to set up. It looks like it wants to squeeze them again. I mean, we do have overhead supply. We did have a blow off top up there when the right. thing went up 10% two days up to 547. But we're slowly climbing that mountain back up. And man, the shorts just have no, they have no mercy on the shorts in the stock. Right. And uh, also, you know, that story about the false acce- you know, the acceleration, I guess that's what was put out by a short seller, they're saying, that wasn't really true information. You've cleared the 50% level of this uh, break from 547.5 down to 492. Based on the dailies, I'll give you, I'm not going to give you that all time high, 4741, because I only have. One time it went there, but that day it closed at 537.92. The next day it ticked 37.84. So there, to me, there's two points there. Nothing up to 538. Not sure if you can get there today, but uh, ahead of the all-time high, that's the only target I have in there in Tesla. You don't even have a a daily high in between that. Uh, beyond meat, uh, that is, let's see if we can look at this one. You, you did talk about two inside days in a row. Well, not quite two inside days, but uh, looking at that three-day high, 115, uh, 115 the quarter. That's what I'm keeping an eye on uh, in beyond meat. See if you want to get back into the 120 handle. Dennis, do you want some other stocks with some elevated short interest? Because I, I got a few. Yeah, more. sure. I mean, it's maybe not the market. Like it was the market a few days ago to come and, you know, do all these short interest stocks. And now we're, we get into a situation where the market's a little spooked here this morning. So, you know, maybe it turns around, they just start buying stuff again. But I'm always interested in high short interest and lower floats. What do you got for me? Well, maybe today is not the day. Well, I wasn't saying necessarily a lower float. Uh, but uh, GameStop, Peloton, Fizz, um, match.com, Tilray, we've talked about, Bed Bath, all with higher than normal levels of short interest. AMC, um, what else did I got here? GoGo, Ligand, Pharmaceuticals, all stocks with elevated short interest uh, heading into this week. The pot stocks want to squeeze a bit. You can just see it. They've been squeezing here for the last few days. They're just classic. These are classic short squeezes. And we know these things can get crazy there. You just look at the charts and they're not going down. I mean, these things are in a little bit of squeeze mode here right now. So you look and you think, okay, well, Kronos is, you know, kind of, kind of consolidation station here. Gets above the high from three days ago, 882. There's probably room to 10 bucks. So, and remember that some of these were trading yesterday. Canada was open, obviously. So you have that, you know, action to digest here. CGC above 26 gets interesting there again. Some of the smaller ones like, you know, Village Farms, VFF, they pulled back a little bit. You know, these set up that. Hey, you know, if I was short these things, I'd probably cover. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm necessarily going long, but I'm, you know, a little bit nervous here about, you know, I still think that the pot stocks long term, I'm still saying, I think, you know, I, I think the path least resistance is still lower. I think they're still overvalued, but we're in squeeze mode here right now. We've been talking about this for a while and I think they could squeeze them more. So, you know, the VFFs are the little one. I mean, even ACB has come back from those lows in the last four or five days. Um, you know, it's still a $2 stock and doesn't look very good for the people who bought it six back in September. 
but at the same time, it's went from a buck fifty to two. I mean, you're talking about a 20, 30% move here in a matter of four or five days. So there is some money still to be made, maybe on the squeeze side on some of those pot stocks. We got some APHA news, right? Spencer, do you want to hit us yeah, with that? Yeah, they just received like a European uh, or EU, what's called EU Good Manufacturing Practices Certification for some of their products. So just good news for their European sales. And that, that, that explains the APHA's move this morning. 550, man. That has just been the level of levels we did. Yeah, it's trying to get over it. Yep, you did. Uh, you did in the uh, in the pre market trading. You did get a spike up to five eighty two, but that five fifty. I mean, that was uh, that poised. Uh, that stood as a level back at the end of October. You sniffed it in mid December. You tried in January. Here's another attempt here at APHA. So see if we can hold that five fifty level and uh, get going. But uh, look for. Look for this to hold 550 early and might get it. The earnings held it down. The other ones were squeezing within the disappointing earnings held this one down. It gets above 550, Joel's right. You could squeeze them here a bit too. So I'd be nervous I was short the pot stocks. All right. Uh, S&Ps are eerily quiet here this morning, folks. I think since we've started the show, we've had just a nothing range here. Down nine to quarter handles at uh, 3316. We did have a good overnight range uh, starting Sunday night. They trade to 1 p.m. on Monday, closed for five hours, reopened. So very, very quiet here. Market uh, digesting the uh, the China news is definitely having a factor on the market. Uh, so let's see, mid-range on the session. That's what I'm looking to see what happens. 31.18, your all-time closing high from Friday, 33 and a quarter. Got some big imbalances, and we don't always talk about them here in the morning, uh, just because there's been some nothing burgers here for a long time. But Morgan Stanley, five hundred and eighty-two thousand to sell. That's huge. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if that's going to stand, if that's going to continue to be there at nine thirty. But the stock that has been really flying, and since the earnings report, it looks like it's going to have a significant pullback here on the open. Bank of America also two hundred twenty-four thousand to sell. Naturally, we look at the TLT, and that's going to be your major catalyst with the TLT trading you know, up a buck. The banks are going to show some relative weakness here, but that one just stands out. I don't know. Is there is there a headline on Morgan Stanley, or is there a rating or something? Well, that's just no, big. I haven't seen anything on Morgan. Okay. But we did get UBS earnings uh, over in Europe, mm-hmm. and they were, the guidance was the earnings were fine, but the guidance wasn't so great. So. Maybe. A little pullback in European bank stocks too, not helping. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's perhaps why. Morgan so. Stanley yeah. setting up here, uh, very very interesting level. You had that low on earnings day at fifty five sixty five, uh, big on. I can't remember last time. Morgan I think that holds. Yeah, well, yeah, we're a buck away here, so I don't think there's any danger, real Robinson, until you know you get below that gap area. I don't know, just to me, like half a million shares to sell on the open i mean wouldn't you rather six hundred thousand now would it's you growing. want to give someone an order to say sell me six hundred thousand today you know not hell i mean that's a huge order yeah that's and like, we don't know if it's made up of multiple orders i could go and open my book true. and sometimes you can see yep. that but they just give you the overall imbalance it's big i mean that's why it's down a 1.9 percent compared to some of the other banks that are only down 0. 0.7 0. 0.8 so i'm not sure if i'm missing a headline if there was something i mean we had three days here so there could have been something seeing a else downgrade there. here I'm, i can't confirm this travis mann has said that Citigroup downgraded it i well that would make sense that's why it looks like it, daniel saying too it was downgraded i don't see that actually but you could be right 
So again, we've been so all over the China news. I haven't really dug down into a lot of other the ratings here yet. So I'm just going to look at that right now to see if I can actually get confirmation. But it sure is trading like it's downgraded. Well, in the meantime, you can look for that. I'm going to bring on our guest today who uh, I want to bring on right now to A35. Chris Buck is his name. He's the head of capital markets and sales for Robo Global. They are the proprietors of uh, two main big indexes here, the Robo Index, Robotics, Automation, and AI, and the uh, HTech Index, which is for healthcare technology and innovation. The corresponding ETFs are Robo and HTEC. Chris, good morning. Let's see if you can hear me okay. Chris, if you can hear me, say you can hear me. Let's try this. Chris, you're with us. All right, Chris is not with us right now. I will figure that out in the background uh, while you guys- I do have a confirmation on Morgan Stanley. Okay. Yes, Citigroup did downgrade here today. I have it now. I found the note. So Morgan Stanley downgraded at Citigroup to neutral. That is why it is trading down more than the market. And that's probably the reason it has such a big selling balance here this morning too. So. All right, let's, uh, let's also uh, take, you mentioned the selling balance in Bank of America. Uh, interesting, I mean- you had your consolidation here. Uh, you had the earnings. I believe that took it up to uh, its recent high of the move. Nice run up. You've, you've had this in several occasions. You've had a nice run up. You've had a consolidation. Trend is higher, and then the consolidation resolves to the upside. Uh, you had that in the middle of December until that high that you just made in January. Now you have another pretty long consolidation period. Uh, the low of that consolidation comes in at 34.34. Parallels at 34.60. So let's call 34.50. Uh, that's the level for Bank America to, uh, to, if it breaches today, which it already has, get it back and hold that. If not, uh, you're breaking um, out of the bottom of a long consolidation period after a nice run on earnings. And then also just thinking along those lines, uh, JP Morgan. Uh, tried to make a new all-time high on earnings, got really, really close, and then sold off the next day or two. So, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about um, earnings, you know, pre-earnings runs and what do stocks do to earnings. A lot of Dennis has his strategies for that, but a lot of times I like to keep an eye on what the stock does after earnings. You know, a good report, do you have follow-through? Or do people use that as a, you know, as a take the profit, taking some profits opportunity? That's so far what we're seeing here in JP Morgan. Uh, let's see if we can grab some stocks here. Well, we know we also had Halliburton earnings. Do you want to go let's, to that? Yeah, let's do them. Yeah, okay. H H A L uh, reporting this morning. Q4 just EPS beat by three cents, 32 versus 29 cents per share. Uh, sales 5.19 versus 5.11 billion dollars. So a beat and a beat for Halliburton in the uh, fourth quarter. I'm not sure what it's done pre-market because first time I'm bringing up Halliburton, I see it up only a nickel. I'd imagine maybe it actually rallied more and probably sold off. I'm just guessing. And now Joel brings up the chart. That's exactly what it did. Same thing happened with Schlumberger. Schlumberger was up a buck on its earnings report and quickly gave it back. So, I mean, there's just so much overhead supply in all of these oil stocks. It's like every rally gets sold. And I know Halliburton had a nice run from 18 to 24, but let's put it in perspective and go out to the monthlies. This thing was $60 a year and a half ago, or $57 a year and a half ago. 
So again, there's just so many people who are burned on every oil stock. The trade has always been to sell the rallies. We've had a nice significant rally here in the last two months in some of these oil stocks. And now you're starting to see the selling come back into it again into some of these stocks. So I feel like they're heavy. I feel like all these stocks are heavy once again. Now Halliburton has indeed went to the red. It if has. you're buying spikes in oil stocks, you're doing it wrong. That's what I'm, you know, that's my opinion, but I believe that you're doing it wrong. Um, the spikes are to be, it seems like the market just comes in and sells every spike on these oil stocks. Uh, it, it did have uh, developed some good daily resistance here. Uh, this was back at the end of 2019, 25 and a half. That's in the rear view mirror now, though, folks. Uh, you are looking at the recent low of the move at 2337. Uh, that flanked by a couple other highs at the 2350 level. So I'll, that will be. Uh, now, going all the way back to January 8th, that 23.37 has been protected. So, consolidation after the move up. Let's see if it can get back above 24.5. Close. Or, wait, did it just 20, wait, 23.91? I thought I saw 22.91. So, yeah, it just ticked uh, down to 23.70. You know, it's okay. come back to scratch, but people we'll who are buying this morning already have buyer's remorse. 23.50 and that crude rally, you know, that we had uh, back with the uh, Iranian crisis. Boy, was that ever stuffed out. So if you're looking for a catalyst, Quickly. I mean, not. it can't rally. And in that day, it couldn't rally. There was all the selling opportunity. It's telling you you're on the wrong side of the trade. When you get news, you know, that should be favorable and the stock sells off on it or, you know, the commodity sells off on it, it's an indicator that, there's just too much overhead supply again. So it's tough. Everybody wants to call the bottom in crude. Everybody wants to come in and be a hero and say, this is it. This is turning around. There's other factors involved here, though. Like I'm going to say, the number one thing I believe is putting the heavy weight on crude over the last number of years is the electrification of cars. We all go electric. You don't need as much gas. Crude is going to, there's still uses for it, obviously, but that's a huge problem. If you're an oil producer, um, you know, there, what you think about like, you know, and in the rumors, you know, that a hundred years ago we could have electric cars, but you know, these are obviously not you know, substantiated rumors or, you know, but we don't know, but you know, it was rumors that, you know, the big oil companies were, you know, squashing the technology as much as they can. Well, it's out of the bag. Electrification is coming. There's no stopping it here now. What does that mean for crude stocks going forward? What does that mean for your gasoline producers? I mean, if you don't need, you know, if you're going to be, if, if the cars are going electric and I think, you know, do you agree with me on this, Joel? I think in 10 years, you're going to see over half the cars on the road are electric. Well, I, I, I think there's that. going to be less cars on the road. Oh, here we go. Well, we can go less cars. And that's not good either. So both of those are bad for crew. We need Beyond Meat Burgers. Okay. Let's, let's say hypothetically it's not less cars, but there's more electric cars. I think we can safely say there's probably going to be more electric cars on the road. How what does that mean for your gasoline and your, crude and your, and your oil producers? What does that mean? Let's ask this question of our guest, who I think we have now. Um, okay. Chris Buck, as I mentioned before, head of capital markets and sales for Robo Global. Chris, good morning. Can you hear me now? I can, and I apologize for the technical difficulties. That's okay. It's okay. That's we're all about technical difficulties. <laughs> we so, have them a few times. <laughs> a few times a week here. So, okay, Chris, we just got on this tangent here from oil stocks to uh, electronic cars, and you are uh, you work for Robo Global, the proprietor of a robotics and automation index so tell us your thoughts on, on this matter here yeah i mean it, it's funny i was looking at cars uh just this weekend over the long holiday and, and i think you're right you're trying to con 
you're trying to think through, and of course I was looking at a gas car and the gentleman was saying that, you know, the electrical grid can't even keep that many electrical cars in, in one particular city. You know, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. There's a ton of people here, but if everybody got an electric car, the electrical grid's not even set up for it, which I don't really believe. I think that's a sales pitch, but I think you're exactly right. You know, change is among us. There's going to be dramatic changes in the future, and, and that's really what we're about at RoboGlobal is helping investors kind of think forward and, and, and understand the big secular trends and the position their portfolios for it. So, so would you be going and buying uh, any of these gasoline or oil stocks here, or what are your thoughts here going forward? I mean, it's got – I just think about this, and I was like, I am very underweight oil stocks because I'm very concerned about where we're going in the next 10 years for, for, for oil companies. No, you know, I think you're right. I've always been really, really long Exxon personally. I let go of that position a week ago, but listen, was listening to Davos this morning, where at some point you got to be – participate in these companies. They're huge investors in renewable energy, but I definitely think there's an overweight, but at some time they're going to hit a bottom and they're going to be a compelling value for a buy. I just don't know when that is, but I think you're right. The trend is your friend, especially with electric cars. Uh, and, and you look at shared economy with autonomous driving vehicles, there's certainly a lot going on, but at some point I think kind of the oil stocks, the big, the big engines, are not going to be electric. So we're always going to be relying on carbon at some point. Chris, can you tell us, uh, I guess, how to participate in this trade here, or, or I guess if you want to talk longer term, make an investment. A lot of these companies are not U.S. companies. There's a lot of Asian companies involved in this space. You've got the uh, this index here that, that presumably tracks uh, robotics and automation. So uh, give us some examples of how to participate in this theme. Sure. <clears throat> so just, you know, just take a step back. You know, we look at the Robo Global Index and, and stock, you know, ticker Robo, R-O-B-O, we launched six years ago. It was up 30% last year, you know, relative to Acqui. Uh, since inception over the past six years, we've handily built Acqui. And Acqui is just a good market cap weighted broad global index. Now, 25 about of our, 25% of our portfolio is in Japanese securities. And similar to the U.S., they've had a very aging population. Uh, they didn't allow immigrants to come in and work. So they have, they've been automating for many, many years. We're likely to see that trend continue in the U.S. But as an example, there are stocks like Toshiba Machine, which was trading almost at a two-standard deviation uh, to price the book almost an extreme value level. And so a lot of the Japanese stocks that are reliant on Chinese uh, exporting to China, the China-US trade war has put an overhang on these stocks. And we're seeing just as an example to Toshiba, uh, one of the active activist shareholders launched a tender for it. Some of these stocks are at you know 20-year lows and if you're looking for pockets in the market that are not at dizzying heights, certainly some of the U.S. mega cap stocks, you can diversify away and, and capture some of the future growth and some of these really beaten down names that have really, really high growth prospects, primarily due to the demographics of the world getting older. There's going to be more people over 65 than under 5. We simply are going to need more automation going forward, and it's a long secular trend.
What about uh, other ways? So you have this this robo uh, index and an ETF, but there's also a a opportunity that you see in healthcare innovation. So tell us about about that trend and and what specific catalysts there may be this year, if any. Oh yeah, I mean, you look at healthcare traditionally. We took a step back. You know, we have in Robo Global we have 12 subsectors. We have about 90 stocks in about 15 different countries. One of our largest sectors has been healthcare. As we move from analog to digital, and as AI performance capabilities and processing goes up, and 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 the cost comes down, there's going to be profound, profound changes in our healthcare system as we move from analog to digital. And AI is, is like dumping you know, gasoline on, on fire, essentially. And so our, our strategy is focused on the prevention uh, of sickness, uh, the technology around preventing. If you look at traditional healthcare funds, it's more about treating the sick, hospital, hospitals, pharmaceuticals, kind of, you know, what happens when you're sick? We do a pretty good job uh, of taking care of you, but it's super expensive. So we're focused on AI, genomics, precision medicine, uh, synthetic biology, uh, lab automation. And with AI, we're going to see profound changes to predict and, and in some cases to eradicate diseases to keep people from going sick. And the ticker is HTEC, H-T-E-C. Uh, it's about 80% U.S., uh, but, but we're really excited about that fund. I guess a, a interesting, interesting day to have you on in light of uh, what's happening. Just going to ask you. Uh, what, what's happening in China. I don't know if, if you guys are following that or if there's any implications for, for the types of companies that you invest in. As far as what's happening, in no, China. we is there? Yeah, we we do. One one of the biggest pockets of medicine is telehealth, and so we own two stocks: Teladoc, which is U.S., and Ping'an in China. It's a China A share, and there's about 300 million Chinese citizens, and it's really you're, you're jumping onto your laptop or or your tablet, and you're calling a doctor, and you're saying, "Look, I have these symptoms." It, you know, especially if it's flu-related, you, you can be prescribed medicine, it can be delivered to you, and you can start on your regiment. Uh, so, yeah, Ping An is a very interesting stock. Uh, I haven't seen the price action today. My assumption is it's going to be strong like some of the other healthcare stocks in China based on the back of, of this scare. Yeah, so that was Ping An Healthcare, and then the other one was Teladoc, right? Uh, tel Teladoc is the largest telemedicine uh, provider uh, in the U.S. It's actually part of United Healthcare. I used it a couple weeks ago. Uh, you just, you know, you can talk to a doctor within an hour. You don't have to take off work, and you can sometimes get your antibiotics within two to three hours, as opposed to taking a whole day off the job. So it's really going to be, you know, about delivering medicine that's that's very tailor specific to you. In, in a way that kind of makes costs come down and, and, and gives you a better outcome. We're on the line with Chris Buck. He's had a capital markets and sales for Robo Global. Uh, what about the technology behind these stocks? I mean, I see that or behind these companies, I see uh, your fourth biggest holding is NVIDIA Corp. Uh, making the chips, the guts, any other 
potential plays in the technology or the chips they are going to be responsible for bringing uh, robotics and automation here uh, to the next generation? You know, that I'm glad you brought that up. And, and one of our main sectors in robo is computing and AI. And, and you really look at chip processors. Uh, they are improving faster than ever. They're using the speed to improve the applications of AI software. And you look at the Internet of Things, you know, currently there are 30 billion devices out there. Now, I think you mentioned this earlier, bringing on the power of 5G. Uh, and, and you start thinking about investments in autonomous driving vehicles, smart cities, smart factories, big data, and AI. Uh, the, the processing power of some of these chips are really going to drive some of the benefits to society just because you're going to be able to take a lot of data set uh, and, and have infer uh, with AI uh, to help speed things up, to deliver products and services faster and better than before. Uh, you know, Cisco made a pretty big comment by 2030, autonomous vehicles alone are going to generate more data than the Earth's entire population does today. So you're going to have to have NVIDIA chips, faster CPUs, GPUs, uh, processing this, and, and really on the back of it, machine learning and deep neural networks and reinforcement learning are really all going to be kind of wrapped into delivering better services. All right, we've been on the line with Chris Buck, Head of Capital Markets and Sales for Robo Global. Chris, uh, thanks so much for taking the time this morning, and uh, have a good one. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, Chris. Uh, down 10 and a quarter handles, uh, 33.14.75. That's down 10 and a quarter handles. Still pretty quiet here. Uh, Tesla still trading firmly in the green by 13.41 at 5.23.91. Just going through the ratings here, which I also ha have not really done this morning too closely. There's been so much other stuff to focus on. But uh, it is a little quiet out there. We're getting, let's see, I see an upgrade from uh, – uh, Costco and Oppenheimer mm -hmm. to outperform. Goldman Sachs is upgrading Ring Central and Avaya this morning, both to buy. I've, we've got a Jeffries upgrade to uh, Intel, upgrading them to hold. That's interesting. Intel reports earnings later on in the week. Uh, Raymond James upgrading JB Hunt to outperform. KeyBank upgrading L Brands to overweight. Those are kind of the biggest upgrades that caught my eye this morning. As far as downgrades are concerned, not too many that have interested in me personally this morning. So yeah, we talked about the Morgan Stanley. That's the reason that MS is right. trading down significantly in the pre-market. Right. We also had Credit Suisse downgrading U.S. Bank Corp. So USB yeah. is trading down. It's underperforming. That's interesting. It's underperforming. Yeah, because so. it's to sell. And and the, and the banks have a weight on them just because the TLT is trading higher here this morning. I mean, TLT has been kind of in the gutter. Well, had a bad Friday and bouncing back here this morning, obviously, with the overseas news there and nervousness jumping back into uh, money's flying back in the TLT because of that. I I don't know. Like, I, it's, it's, this is going to be a really tricky market because you've got a new worry. So, but this market is the best at climbing walls of worry. Yeah. So did they just shrug this off and buy this right back? It's possible. It's also possible that maybe some money manager is going to say, I'm going to wait a day or two and see where this is going. You know, is this, you know, is this virus here overseas going to get worse? It's going to get better. Um, it, it's hard to say. That LAKE, though, that's been our alert us to is up 20% now. Somebody's just, but this is just 800 shares just traded. And it was actually off exchange. 
So again, though 12 and a quarter bid to 1350, you can see that there is a few people banking that, hey, maybe this is not going to be a one one and done type deal. I mean, you wouldn't come up and buy a stock like this of 20% if you thought that this was going to be over in a day. So there's a lot to, there's going to be headline risk here in this market. There's a new worry out there. We do have, and we did see Ebola really knock the market down a few years ago when obviously SARS was a very significant issue for the market back in 2003. So we have some history here with this type of stuff. It's all, it's all about how bad uh, it gets though. Just want to mention uh, the Costco upgrade. Uh, in, uh, weird timing. I mean, there were some opportunities to do it before. The analyst has chosen to do it now, trading up a buck twelve here at three oh five eighty. Uh, you did tick a tad higher, but your all-time high for Costco, if you're looking for that, three oh seven ten. That was your all-time high. Your all-time closing high, if you were looking for that as a, as a possible exit, you got it right there, right now, 305.21. That was your all-time closing high on November 7th. That was the same day it made its all-time high. So the Costco traded up a buck 12, 305.80. Let's look at Netflix here. We haven't talked oh, about yeah. them really this morning. They are due to report after the close today. Uh, this is a highly anticipated report. It is the first earnings report we're going to get since the launch of Disney Plus. Uh, but I'm going to refute that because isn't Disney Plus still free? No. Is it not free? Oh, for the Verizon no, it's people. Free. Just for the Verizon people. I'm paying. If it was free, I wouldn't be paying. I'm paying. No, no, no. It's only free okay. for a year. I mean, so. yeah. I mean, you could make a lot out of this report. You know, you don't know how many people have already got Disney and canceled like Dennis or thinking of canceling here. So it's had a nice run up into the report. I, you know, I, I just don't see how just, I mean, it's going to take a couple reports, I think, to see how this all plays out for Netflix. But I, I've gave, I've given my opinion in the last yeah. week and I turned to a cool. stance where I don't think Disney plus is going to affect Netflix. Yep. And I thought originally I was like competition's coming. You know, I was on you know the show saying this you know six months ago, and the stock got hit. I mean, the stock went from three thirty down to two fifty, um, but it's kept climbing that wall. And I think you know the market was ahead of at least my thought process on it, where they're realizing that you know this Disney just doesn't have enough content. Um, they have a lot of good content that came out on November when the thing launched, but they're just not coming out with new shows. And I look at there and I flip it on and I see the same exact stuff I saw three months ago when I subscribed and the Mandalorian's done. We've all watched that. They're going to have new and that's awesome. I mean, but you need 10 Mandalorians. You need a whole bunch of stuff or you need at least more content, something to, Hey, Oh, I haven't watched this yet. Let's go flip this on. The kids love it. I'm not going to get rid of my Disney plus. And if you have young kids, you're probably going to subscribe to it, but are you going to get, you know, the, those people who are coming in that don't have the, the, the five-year-olds and the six-year-olds and the 10-year-olds or not, I don't know, about 10, um, because there's just not the new content. So I don't think people are canceling their Netflix to go to Disney+. Plus. And I don't know what the Comcast product, maybe it's going to be different, maybe it's going to be comp So there's definitely competition coming for Netflix. There's no doubt about that. It's just, is the competition going to be enough that you start seeing people unsubscribe from it? I don't know yet. The Disney, I don't think, is a threat, though. Well, we'll, we'll get our first real data point today. But, so but are we really going to? So we're going to get our first real data point. And a lot of people potentially you know, jumped on you know, this bandwagon of, of the Disney+. Plus. But yeah, did they cancel the Netflix, I guess. But don't you think it'll go a long way in sending the tone either way if they... If they uh, it's a big report. 
Right. What's the what's the straddle on this thing? I bet you it's significant. What are they pricing the straddle? You got in front of you? Let's go look at the close. Obviously, options aren't open there at this time. I'd say I'd say the going to grab it at least fifteen dollars. I think so too. I think it's at least. I think it might be twenty bucks. Let's go look. Netflix. Just looking at the Jans. So this week expiration, Jan twenty four. Uh, looks like it went off the board. Oh, Joel, that's higher than that. Twenty five. Yeah, yeah. It looks like about twenty twenty five points. Wow. How? How do you make money buying options? Like here, me and Joel are thinking. Well, fifteen twenty probably could move twenty points on this. <laughs> they got it priced in twenty five. I mean, okay, yeah, and that's obviously you know going both directions. So it moves either way in twenty-five points. You're going to be making money. I don't think you make money doing that. Not in the long run. Maybe you could get twenty-five point move off this thing. The market makers seem pretty good, but I don't think it's moving fifty. So you know, to get a two-to-one risk reward on it, maybe you're going to guess the direction. You can you know buy the puts for twelve bucks. If you want to go three thirty-seven and a half, if you want to guess the direction correctly, hard to make money buying options. It's one thing if you've learned, if you've listened to this show for the last six, seven years. I hope you guys have learned at least one thing, and that's that you know, especially since we have Nick Shaheen, who's a, who obviously sells, you know, is a net option seller always. It's hard to make money buying options. They're little lottery tickets, and yes, you'll win every once in a while, and yes, you'll get a, a good one. But man, those premiums just, they're, they're hard. It's hard to beat them. And on that note, that will be it, I believe, for our show today. You can always catch our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or just rewatch our show on youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. want to thank our guest today, Chris Buck. Thanks to all of you in our chats, both chats on youtube.com and on premarket.benzinga.com. Com. You can always give us a call as well during the show, before the show, after the show. Leave us a voicemail, 734-494-0246. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Wednesday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.